0: Sorrows will oh, be gone. God. Yes, oh, God. Lord. I like verse 3. You won't have to ponder anymore. We're right. right. about, about, about the questions about we've got. That's right. That's word. We look forward oh, to heaven. We look forward to that time oh, that word. we anticipate. <laughs> and we long for And we have hope as a result of that. And yet, in the midst of word. that longing, Jesus gives us this prayer. This little prayer, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's often known as the Lord's Prayer of our Father in different churches. But it's a prayer that is often overlooked because it's a simple prayer and it's a short prayer. But there's so much in it. One of the things that's in it is that anticipation for a world where there will be no more sorrows and no more longings and no more ponderings about the things that we don't understand in this world. And we're going to continue looking into that. We looked into uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount last yeah. week. We talked about uh, how it's incredible that we get to pray, Father. A little prayer from time to time here. And he gets up and will say, Daddy. Yeah. Daddy. Our Daddy. And he begins his prayers that way. Jesus is inviting us into that kind of a relationship with God. Yeah. To think of Him as our Father and we as adopted children and brothers and sisters to one another. And with Jesus. Yeah. That's an incredible thing, and not to be an incredible overlooked. Thing. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, Listen, make sure in your prayers that you're focusing on God's glory and not your own. God's glory and not your own. So that you should be giving praise to God, recognizing that his name is hallowed, it's made holy, it's set apart in, in heaven, and not praying in ways that bring attention to you and glory to you. And, and one of the things he says uh, is that, that you don't need to use many words. Because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. we talked about that last week. And several of you caught me during the week and said, but I don't have to pray anymore. God already knows what I want. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I kind of want to tease that out a little bit. Is it true that we don't have to use lots and lots of words because God already knows what we want? Yeah, that's true. But do we still go to God and ask Him... Uh, Do we still need to pray if God already knows what our prayers are going to be about? Well, over and over again, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Whatever you go to and ask God for, He will give it to you uh, because He loves you. He loves you like children. Uh, The Bible tells us that if you ask and seek and knock, that whatever you desire, uh, the door shall be open." Jesus tells his disciples that if you will only pray with faith, you can tell this mountain to get up and move. Mountain. You can name it. In, in James's letter to the Lord. churches, he says, listen, when you're sick, go to the elders and have them anoint you with oil and lay their hands on you and pray over you so that you can be healed. That's a pretty specific prayer. And he's saying, name your request. Ask them of God and God will answer them. And so what is, what's this kind of tension where it's like, don't be going on and on and on in your prayers and using so many words, but at the same time, if, if you're genuine and, and heartfelt in your prayers, go to God and ask it, and it will be given to you. And as I was thinking about this, I think parents get it. As a parent, you appreciate when your child tells you what matters to them and what they want. But boy, don't you get tired of the 20th time that they tell you what they want? <laughs> and I think there's a little bit of maybe wisdom in the great wisdom of uh, the philosopher Toby Keith. <laughs> 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 that, that sometimes God in his listening to our prayers make feel like Toby That's Keith nice. who says, listen, we talk about your work, how your boss is a jerk, we talk about your church and when your head hurts. We talk about your troubles you've been having with your brother and your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. That sometimes God's just like, look, we've covered it, okay? We've talked about you enough. That sometimes our prayers are a little bit too much. Like Toby Keith, who says, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one. Uh, talk about me, oh my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. And when we get into these prayers that are just all about me, 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 don't you think God sometimes says, I know, but look around a little. Look around a little. So do we take our requests before God, the things that we need and matter to us? Yeah. But if that's all you're doing, I like talking about you, 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 usually, right? God says, but occasionally, why don't you talk about me? The God who created everything, who sent his son to die on the cross for us, the God who does so many things in our life every day, and we go and talk about ourselves all the time, and God, don't you think he's worthy of a little bit of praise? Don't you think that God is worthy of some thanksgiving for the good things that He has given us? The prayers of yesterday that we asked and He answered our prayers? Yes or no, we often come to Him with thanksgiving as a result of His response. What about praise? What about thanksgiving? What about asking God, God, please deliver me from temptation. Help me to stay, to stay holy. Help me to resist the temptations of this world that are just constantly assaulting me. We need more prayers about helping us to stay faithful. We need more prayers about the world. There is so much pain and suffering in the world, and the world needs Christians going to God on their behalf and saying, God, heal this world. Heal this this community. Heal our neighborhoods. Heal our workplaces. Heal our families. Out-focused prayers. Prayers about the kingdom of God. God, let your kingdom show up and make a difference. Let your kingdom grow and thrive in a world that is desperate to know who you are and what your business is in this world. You know, our bodies need a balanced diet, a certain amount of food, various types of food and, and, and different kinds of, of things uh, put into it so that you can be healthy. You can't just eat all of one food and be a healthy person. You need lots of inputs. Your prayer life is like that too. You need a balanced prayer life of thanksgiving and praise and giving glory to God and giving Him the request of things that you need so much, of praying on behalf of others, on on praying about the kingdom, on praying that God will help you to stay faithful in tough times. All of these things are, are incredibly rich and important things that you need in your life so that your prayer is giving you a balanced diet for your spirit and your heart. your mind. We need this richness in our prayers. And when we're able to get that, what we do is we find uh, that that we become a a healthier, spiritually healthy person. And so Jesus gives us the prayer. We're going to continue looking through this today, talking about a healthy diet. Uh, We're going to get a little bit out of order and skip over the kingdom come part and do it last here today. But Jesus then says in verse 11 in the prayer, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And it's a little line in the middle of this little prayer. And we often just think, God, help me to have enough to live on. Help me to have enough to eat. Help me to have enough uh, food, shelter, the basic necessities so that I'm not experiencing lack in my life. And then we go right on to the next little part of the prayer. But I think there is so much here in thinking about what it means uh, to talk about having our daily bread. Having enough to sustain us physically is one thing. But so often when Jesus talks about bread, he's talking about something else, isn't he? I love the story where Jesus has just fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. Thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. The disciples get into the boat and it says they've only got one loaf with them. One loaf. Just took several loaves and fed thousands. They've got one loaf. They get in the bed. Bre- they get in the br- they get in the boat. Wow, that got weird. They got in a boat with one loaf of bread, and Jesus says, "Beware the yeast of the Pharisees." He wants to teach them about hypocrisy. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And one of the disciples goes, "Hey, what do you think he's talking about with the yeast of the Pharisee stuff?" And the other one goes, "I think he's upset we forgot to bring enough bread for everybody." what? What? He just took like seven loaves and fed 4,000 people, gets in the boat, and the guy's like, only one loaf. If only there was a solution somewhere on this boat to this problem. And Jesus says, listen, do you not have faith to understand, ears to hear, eyes to hear? How do you not understand what I'm talking about? And he gets frustrated because anytime he talks about bread, what he wants to talk about is what's life-giving and life-sustaining in the world. And over and over again, what people hear is, "Hey, are you hungry?" He keeps talking about bread. It's making me hungry. Some of you right now might be thinking, "He keeps talking about bread. When, when is lunch? When is lunch coming? Is that is lunch soon?" And if that's you, you're missing out on the richness that Jesus is trying to give you in his teaching. So that when Satan comes to Jesus after 40 days of fasting and praying in the wilderness, and he says, Jesus, turn these two stones into bread, Jesus says, no, man does not live on bread alone. Bread can't really sustain man. Man lives and thrives and is sustained by every word that comes from the mouth of God. On another occasion in John's gospel, Jesus is traveling, and the crowd behind him is getting really big and really large, and... Uh, At that point, Jesus uh, goes to the crowd and he he says to them, he says, listen, you're only here because I've got food you can eat. And you're only interested in in having your bellies filled. And and if that's all you're here for, if that's all you're here for, he, he says, listen, you're working for food that spoils. But what Jesus says is, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Do not chase food that is temporary and will leave you hungry, but chase the food that gives you eternal life. And you can imagine in this moment that Jesus is describing two people. One person over here has all the bread they could ever eat in their life. And the other person over here doesn't have any food at all, but has faith in God and the Son which one of those is going to run out of what sustains them first? Which one has the most eternal food? That bread, no matter how much you have, will go bad. It's temporary. But if what sustains you is your faith in Jesus, it's your relationship with God, then no amount of food can ever replace what you're getting to eat all the time. That's That's eternal. That is, it is going to sustain you for your entire life and beyond. Daily bread. Jesus continues in that passage, His teaching, and He says to them, Jesus went on to tell them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to Me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. And here's what we need to know when we pray the Lord's prayer. You can pray the Lord's Prayer and ask for your daily food, but you're only doing as much as the people said, you're just here to see if I can give you more food to eat. If that's the extent of our prayer request, when we ask for bread, is is Jesus, give me something to put in my belly. Jesus turns to the crowd and says, you're just here for the food. But what I'm offering you, Jesus says, is if you have faith in me, you will never go hungry or never go thirsty again. Thank you. That's the deeper request. That's the deeper gift that's there. That when you think about what sustains you today and every day of your life, does God know that you need food and shelter and clothing and the things that are the necessities of life? Yes. Do we pray for those? Yes. Yes. But if that's the end limit of what we're praying for, then we're denying the real gifts that truly sustain us. A relationship with God, faith in Jesus, a dependence on every word that comes from the mouth of God. These are the breads that feed the soul and sustain us for an eternity. It matters more than anything with yeast in it. And the last thing I'll mention about daily bread is this, and then we'll get to the kingdom. The last thing I wanna mention about daily bread is that I can imagine that Jesus envisioned his people someday being made up of people that have days worth of bread in their pantry. So many days worth of bread in their pantry that they look at it and go, boy, we're gonna have to start eating some of this or we're gonna have to throw it out when it gets moldy. And that his kingdom would have other people in it who haven't had bread for days or anything else to eat. And that they are hungry. And Jesus imagines If only his people would all pray this prayer for daily bread, that there might become an awareness not only in the one who lacks the daily bread, but in the one who has days worth of bread in abundance, that there might be an opportunity for Jesus' prayer to be answered in the sharing of bread. That Jesus could imagine his community of people daily praying, God, give me this day my daily bread. If you pray that and it feels empty because you've got so much bread, then your prayer is, God, help me to find someone to share my extra bread with. Because through His people, God's prayers are answered in the world. Hungry people are praying that you're willing to share. And if you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer... If you've got enough when you get to the daily bread part, you've got enough to share with someone who needs more. Prior to this passage where he talks about the daily bread, uh, where he reminds us what sustains us and reminds us what gives an abundance, he prays this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus gives in this line in his prayer, this expectation that God's kingdom is going to come and arrive and show up and change things. Now, it's a little bit of a surprise to most of his audience who would have said, like the King of King David, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom that that God has promised and that, that has been here for a long time. And Jesus is saying this kingdom is coming, not having arrived already. There's a different kingdom that's not Israel, but will fulfill what Israel had been trying to do for so many years. That kingdom is the church. That kingdom is all of those who are in Christ and pledge allegiance to King Jesus. And so if you're willing to say, Jesus, you're king of my life, welcome to the kingdom. Which means we are this kingdom that Jesus is praying will show up. And when the kingdom comes, what will be the impact of its arrival? Jesus says, when the kingdom comes, pray that it will start to look like heaven on earth now. The heaven that we anticipate with no sorrow and no more tears can be breaking into the present. How does it happen? Because the kingdom showed up. And when the kingdom, which is us, shows up, earth starts to look like all the good stuff in heaven, which means you need to be asking, when I show up in a place, does my presence in that place as part of the kingdom of God in me start to change that place to make it look more like heaven? Amen. When you're in your house with your family, does your family and your home look more like eternal life in heaven today with peace, with love, with harmony, with with building up of one another, the sharing of things? Does your house look like that now? Because that's what's going to happen when the kingdom shows up at your house. Does your workplace look more like heaven as a result of you, a kingdom person, being in it? Does any group you're a part of look more like heaven because the kingdom in you is breaking into it and bringing heaven into this moment and this place and this day. Romans 8 describes a situation where where Paul's writing and he says, listen, our present sufferings, and is there suffering in the world today? Yeah, there's suffering. Does, Does the world already look like heaven? No. The world right now is filled with present sufferings, but those present sufferings all the stuff that gives us anxiety, fear, and worry are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us, not to us. we're We're not part of the audience that is watching the glory be revealed. The glory is in us and it's being revealed. And what does the creation think about this? The entire creation waits in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. When you show up, the creation expects that it's going to get better. The creation was frustrated but is now liberated and will be liberated further in the future. Is this what heaven's going to be like? No, it's going to be better than this. But are we going to start getting there now through the work and the glory that is being revealed in us as the children of God? I hope so. Because the New Testament seems to have this vision over and over again that when the kingdom comes, that heaven starts to break into the present, that we will see the entire creation moving into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What a picture that is. Our job is to be the kingdom that makes this world look like heaven now. And it's coming and it's expressed in so many different ways in the New Testament. But we get this job description. And here's how this works just very practically and very functionally is this. Take a minute and just in your mind, finish this sentence. I can't wait to get to heaven because it will be what? I can't wait to get to heaven because once we get to heaven, we will get to experience what? Because Jesus prays, God, when your kingdom comes, let your will be done on this earth in this moment like it will be someday in heaven, that it begins breaking into the creation today. If if we really believe this, then whatever it is that you put in that blank, I can't wait to get to heaven because when we get there, it will be blank. That becomes your job description today as a Christian. As a disciple of Jesus and a person who is part of his kingdom, if he's your king, your job description is this. I can't wait to get to heaven because there will be no tears in heaven. Then it's your job today to find someone who's weeping and wipe away their tears and remove the reason for their weeping. If the end of your sentence is, I can't wait to get to heaven, because when I get there, there will be no more grief or sorrow than being with people in grief and sorrow and helping to heal with them through that, sitting with them in their grief becomes part of your job description today. We begin seeing this in in big and small ways. This is what makes uh, the preaching of of Martin Luther King Jr. so powerful. When we look at the the sermons that he preached and the movement that he started in this country, a movement of of rights and equality and relationships, when he would preach and say, listen, I have a dream that someday little black boys and little white children will hold hands and walk together in the streets, what he is saying is, I know in heaven there will be no racism and no division. And, And what I want... Is for that slice of heaven to break into the present. Right. Right. And where it doesn't break into the present, I'm going to resist that and try and bring this into it. Breaking heaven into the present, transforming this world to look like it will when it doesn't today. Yeah. And that vision starts transforming the world. The world we live in today is a, is a better place as a result of someone who preached sermons saying, I have a dream that earth looks like heaven, here's what heaven looks like, let's get to work. That's the big ways, but little ways too. We've got a grief seminar that's been going on here at Northwest for several months. And the grief seminar is there because we said, we believe that in heaven, there will be no more grief or sorrow. And where there are people who are crying and stuck in their grief, we wanna sit with them and help them be healed through this process. What we want to do is in their lives, in the present, we want to bring that little piece of heaven into their world so that they can experience it now. Right now, our our CIA, it's our fifth and sixth grade ministry, uh, is over making lunch. They're making lunch because what they're saying right now is we don't think there's going to be hungry people in heaven. And so this morning, their act of worship is bringing a little piece of heaven into this present moment. Because when the kingdom shows up, there's fewer hungry people. And they're going to serve some people who are going to enjoy lunch today, who might not have had as good of a meal as they're going to make. That's the kingdom breaking in. That's the kingdom coming. We see, uh, you know, the alpha class that we've been doing is based in this idea that there are people in the world who do not know Jesus. I can't wait to be in heaven where everyone will bend their knee and bow down to King Jesus and say, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Do we have to wait to get to heaven to get there? No. No. Let's bring that eternal reality into this present moment through an evangelistic effort to say, let's talk about faith. Let's have conversations about uh, about what it means if God's really real and really in charge. It makes a difference. And we create a place where that can happen. We're bringing heaven into the present. The kingdom is coming and God's will is being done here as a result of this belief. And this is different from a lot of how we've thought about Christianity historically. A lot of Christianity in the past is if you believe and are baptized, you're saved, and then just don't sin too much that you get lost in the meantime before you die. Isn't that kind of how we've thought about it some in the past, or at least you know someone who thought about Christianity that way in the past? Where the Christian job description was go to church, say my prayers, don't do any sinful stuff, and stay away from people who do. All right? We're pretty good if we can get that list done. But with this vision from the Lord's Prayer, it's a totally different job description. This little prayer changes the way we think about how we live as disciples of Jesus. Because when his kingdom comes, his will gets done by those who are in the kingdom, which is you and me. It means we've got work to do. Now, are we going to be able to finish the job? No, we can't finish the job. Jesus is going to finish the job. When Jesus returns and the dead are raised up and those who are alive in Christ go up into the sky and we're all given uh, our new resurrection bodies, we're going to come back to this creation and we're going to go, Oh, this is what we were waiting for. This is what we've been praying for. This is the work we've been doing. Jesus finally finished the job, but man, we did a good job of getting it started, didn't we? We did a good job of taking care of the kingdom while the king was away so that when he returns, he can set it all to right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. It's a request, but it's a request that's not really about what I'm receiving. It's a request that invites me to give a request that, that invites when God blesses me with something that I receive it as a gift for me, but then I think if there's extra, who does he want me to share it with so that I can be kind of this blessing redistribution center for God's kingdom? Wow, Distribution center. God's giving us so much, and he's given us extra so we can share. Yeah, we Our daily bread yeah, and someone else's daily bread. He's invited us to be part of the kingdom that when it shows up, transforms the world, that we become people who get transformed by Jesus Christ and his spirit living in us and empowering us and equipping us. And that once that spirit's in there and changes us, the question is, how then do I become contagious in my transformation? How do I begin transforming those who are around me so that we can begin seeing God's will done on earth as it is in heaven? We become transformed transformers, blessed Blessers, paying it forward—all the little ways that God answers our prayers, so that we can help become the people who answer the prayers of others. So that God's will is done to His glory and not ours. This time, here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to end uh, this sermon the way that we're going to end all of the sermons in this series by reading aloud from Matthew six, the Lord's Prayer, together. And after we read that prayer together, uh, we'll have an opportunity, if you need to respond to the gospel, the invitation to be part of the kingdom, one of the children of the Father, that you can come forward this morning as we stand and sing. But first, let us all stand and read the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, Our over. press